What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. This is a show for all the people who keep it 100% real, who've been through life able to turn their pain into purpose, for people who've struggled with faith, yet keep asking questions and seeking the truth. It's a show for us to share our thoughts, experiences, and stories, and know that we're not alone. For all the OGs who see through the world's BS, this is The Spiritual Gangsters. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. It's me, Teresa, and I'm joined by my good friend, wizardy magical co-host the ny patriot say what's, what's go- up what's going on thank you for having me on again yeah thank you of yes. course and um today we have on an awesome guest i'm really excited to talk with her she's an amazing lady from what i've seen online so i want to get into the nitty-gritty of pharma with her <laughs> <laughs> uh she is a disability advocate former infectious disease scientist, and now turned energy healer. We have Ellie from the Speed Bumps podcast. Hey, Ellie. Hey, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to like get into the details of your story because I've heard a little bit here and there, and I have tuned into the Speed Bumps podcast, which I really love because I feel like you and I are kind of trying to do a similar thing where we see people's stories, we see negatives that have happened in their life that they've been able to overcome and like, turn into positives yep. and I am passionate about putting those stories out like yourself to sort of like connect people and make people feel like less alone exactly. and yeah I think we're like we're on the same page you and me <laughs> yes yes and I love that you talk to like different people too I've checked out some of your episodes um with Janet and then the woman from Puerto Rico and things like yeah. that and um there's another one and I just I love that they're different but it's all like you said sharing people's stories and just letting people know that they're not alone in what they're going through. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's so important. Like I've myself done a, a brief time, a brief stint in therapy. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say, but I honestly found the biggest thing for me was group therapy. Like hearing other people talk at the same time and sharing is more helpful to me than, you know, individual one-on-one. So this is like my free therapy. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yes. I, Sorry, go ahead. I, no, no, no. I've done therapy myself, but like after my car accident and stuff, and the talk therapy, just like sitting there and li- having someone listen to me, that didn't work for me either. Um, yeah. I, they, I never did group therapy. EMDR is what helped me. So What does that stand for? It's like eye movement rapid desensitization or something. Basically... You know how when you go into REM sleep and they say that your brain reprocesses things? It, like, puts your brain in this state for a very short period of time, like a minute, that allows you to take something traumatic and reprocess it so it's not as traumatic. Oh. Um, and, like, you watch, like, a light bar that goes back and forth at, like, a certain interval or, like, two vibrating tappers that go bzz, 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 or, like, two tones in the ear. Um, are they separate la- tones? Are they what? Are they separate tones? No, I think it's just like a beat, beat, but well, just like you know, one in same, ear. Are they the same sound in each ear, though? That's what I'm asking. I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, but there's different ways to do it. So, like, if you can't hear or can't see or you want to keep your eyes closed, like, they have different ways of simulating the right and left bremen- 
hemispheres of the brain. Um, and it took things that like I couldn't talk about because I didn't want to verbalize and it reprocessed them. And that helped me more than talk therapy. Wow. That's super interesting. I've never heard of that before. During, yeah. during that, you didn't happen. Like when you did that, did you have your eyes closed? I did because I personally wanted to. And so I used the vibrating tapper. So like I would hold one in my right and hold one in my left, almost like buttons. And they would just like one would vibrate and then the left would vibrate and then the right and then the left. But it like happened almost like a metronome when you're playing the piano. It's kind of like that. Did did you get any like vivid uh, visuals? Um, Kind of. I was told to view it as like if I was on a train or a third party. Like a a third person view. So like I wasn't putting myself back in the memory as first person. Um, Was it kind of like standing outside and watching a zeotrope? I don't know what that is, but it was like standing outside and watching a video or something. Uh, Well, because when you said like a train going by, you know, like a zeotrope is those old things. That's like you take a cartoon figure and you make it a little bit different in each one. And then you spin it and it looks like it's animated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've had that experience myself fucking with magic. Why I was asking. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. This is like... Well, if you're pinging both sides of the brain, you're going to start getting me to ask questions like that now. Yeah, no. And I don't understand like all of the science behind it. Um, But basically, that's the basic, basic concept. And it took things that at a nine or on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most traumatic things, things that were a nine or a 10 and doing this one to three times, depending upon the memory and it brought it down to like a two or a three. And it wasn't like me being hit by a car. It was like me being laid in the road. So it wasn't like the whole book. It was a sentence, oh. if that makes sense. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, like reprogramming that's your wild. subconscious almost in yeah. how you recall the memory. Yeah. Right? It's almost like because in those traumatic moments, you can't deal with all of those emotions and everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. So your brain protects itself like it's supposed to. But then you eventually have to go back and deal with it. But sometimes it's hard to do. That's wild. Yeah, that's that like uh, it's like uh, like shadow work. Mm-hmm. That's fucking wild, really. Oh yeah, because like it a lot of times when it, even when it comes to magic, uh, a lot of things from the past, fear, anger, trauma, and shit is what stops you, in my opinion, from going deeper into your subconscious. Is because there's things that tell you no, you don't like this, stop going, and you don't get any farther. So. This really sounds... Uh, and then, like, what you're saying with pinging both sides of the brain, like, a lot, in my opinion, when magic is really hemi-syncing both sides of your brain together. So this sounds, like, really, like... To me, honestly, <laughs> it sounds like magic, but therapy. Hence your logo that's behind wild. you. Yeah, hence, yeah, hence the logo yeah. behind me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't see it as magic at the time. It was definitely before uh, I did my 180. It was when I thought the CDC, the FDA were good, the pharma was good, um... Doctors always had the best intentions. It's I did that when I was still in that phase. But heaven forbid something traumatic happen again, I would definitely go do EMDR again because there's no pharma involved. Um, you have to trust the person you're working with, but literally it saved my life. Well, for the most part, it's probably all in our minds anyway. You know exactly. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. if, if you fix the source of the problem, maybe you don't need to pop pills. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it deals with the root problem, not mask the symptoms. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. Very cool stuff. Yeah. Right. I'm I mean, the, just just this little conversation right here made this fucking episode. Exciting. <laughs> 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 I 
It's the signs of magic. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, like, like Ellie, I even have, uh, you know, back in May, I had back surgery done. I had a back mm-hmm. fusion done, and they, they gave me a belt that I have to wear, I think, for, like, fucking, I don't know how long, six months. I got to wear it every day for, like, 30 minutes. And all it is is like this. It looks like a fucking steering wheel, like uh, like it's some Mario Kart, uh, you know, game uh, controller or some shit. <laughs> and I put it on my back, and all it is is a nine volt battery inside this little thing. And I press the button, and this wire goes all the way, you know, to the fucking back, and it makes this thing shoot out pulses that makes my bones heal faster. Like literally, all this thing is it's a, is a nine. I've used those. It's a nine volt battery that is somehow creating some sort of fucking vibrational wave that will make my bones heal. That's magic to me. That's fucking does wild. Your, does yours hurt? No, no. The first couple of times, does it though, hurt when you do it? No, but the first couple of times, though, I swear, when I first started using it, yeah, I, when I first started using it, I had just got out of the hospital like a week or so after the fact, and like. I don't know if anybody understands a fusion, but you're going to be fucked up when you're done. Like, for me, I've had to learn how to walk again for, like, the first week or two. Like, you're just fucked up. Um, And, like, even, like, the nerves on both sides of my legs and stuff, like, were still off. Like, I I had woke... At one point, I'll be totally honest with you, I was like, fuck, should I not have even have gotten the surgery? Because I was feeling all sorts of crazy shit going down my legs and pains and stuff I never had prior but the first couple of times I put that belt on, I don't know if it was in my fucking head or if it was the belt, but down the left side of my leg where I have most of the fucking nerve damage from the issue felt fucking weird. And I was mm-hmm. like, yo, is it the fucking belt? It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. So you're using a bone stimulator, and I've had to use them twice in my life. I used one when I was 12 on my arm, and I used one uh, in, like, 2014 after my accident my car accident um and both times especially when the one in the pelvis because it was going through scar tissue Mm. it was extremely painful because it's basically sending sound waves almost like an ultrasound through the tissue to heal the bone that's so interesting and like it just makes me think almost like of what tesla said like the think of the universe in terms of like frequency magnetism vibration Vibrations. yep Right? Very interesting. (laughs) Okay, so I know there's so many facets to your story. Oh, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you, Teresa, but uh, (laughs) could you plug, just in case people like you but think we're horrible hosts in this episode, (laughs) would you like... Oh, you're not horrible. (laughs) Would you like to plug your show first so in case people are like, they suck and I want to go hear what she has to say, they can go check now. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, my podcast is the Speed Bumps podcast. It looks like the little road sign uh, with one thumb L because I only have one thumb. And if you want to understand why, you should continue to listen to this episode. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at one O-N-E thumb E-L. Wonderful. Thank Amazing. You. Yeah, thank you. Good idea yeah. on why, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, yes. So with your story... I okay. feel like I want to start from the beginning, from your infancy, because I All know right. there's things like right from when you were born. Like this yeah. girl was born to like be a revolutionary <laughs> and a survivor. <laughs> like you are a fucking warrior, man. So listen, I just want to start from from day one. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I keep saying I'm I'm here for a reason because I, I sh- should not be here with all the shit that I've been through. Mm. Um, so when I was born, I was born cyanotic or blue. Um, and 
I was also had kidney problems. Um, so there was a little bit of like a greenish tinge because things weren't totally right. And so my coloring was totally off. Um, I was found out that I was born with five holes in my heart. A thing called Churchology of Fallot, which basically means four defects of the heart plus a tight mitral valve. And if you think about it, your heart and your stomach are about the size of your fist at whatever age you are. So think of a newborn and the size of their fist. And I just listed 10 different things wrong with my heart. Wow. So like just to put that in perspective, it's about the size of a ping pong ball. I was going to say that's a very um, small thing to have a lot of problems. Right? <laughs> Did your parents know this in oh. advance? No, I was a total no. surprise. Um, so I was born in 91. And so they had ultrasounds, but they weren't, I guess, as advanced as they are now. And, but the first thing that they noticed wasn't my heart. It was actually my hand, my left hand. Uh, I was born, it's called a radio clubbed hand. It's on my left hand side. So for those who are viewing on YouTube, let's see if I can do this. Um, so when I was born, this side of my hand touched the inside of my forearm. Like it was rotated all the way in and I don't have a thumb. Um, and so with splints, or as a baby, your bones are more malleable. And so with splints, they moved it so it looks like this L-shaped. I can't Wait, really. I'm sorry. You might have mentioned this before. Were you born premature at all? Nope. I was actually late. I was born via C-section. Because I know, like, oh, wow. if you're born, like, I mean, you'd have to be, like, real premature. But, like, your bones can kind of, like, be, like, not bendable, but they're very, you know, they're very. No, no, no. So all babies' bones are like that. Oh, okay. So, all right. <laughs> so baby, so humans have, like. 206 bones i think like adults but babies it's all over like 300 like your kneecaps are like in multiple pieces yeah. like your cranium isn't formed that's why you have the soft spot on babies um yes. so it just it's totally normal for babies for their bones to be a little more malleable in their joints um you mentioned the soft then, spot on your baby's head since you're in i guess somewhat of the medical field do you do you know yeah. what what that looks like is it in the shape of anything specific that I have no idea. Oh, okay. Because I've looked it up and I have seen and I've always, I do think it's interesting if it's correct. Well, I, I have, seen, have the, seen it done that. in the shape of a cross actually on top of a child's head. Well, yeah, it's in like, so it's like four distinct plates, yep. right? And then yep. eventually they fuse. So to me, when I saw it, it could be a cross or uh, also like if you've seen old maps of like the earth where it looks like the North Pole is like a, a hole, and then there's like these four rivers that come from around the center point. So you think of it like that. But also like from my time in yoga, I remember when I had like my my first son, and I used to be obsessed with like kissing the top of his head. And I'm like, oh, I just love like I just love the top of their heads. It's so special, and I just feel like it's because it's like that's where the crown chakra is. Yep. And it's like they're like more connected like to source because it's not yet closed. Absolutely. That's yeah. why the elderly I and totally the infants agree. get along so well. I yeah. Totally agree. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Little segue there. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a thumb. And so, let's see. So, in a typical hand, you have yeah. two bones in your forearm. Your radius is connected to your thumb and your ulna is on the side of your pinky. So I only have a radius on, or only have an ulna on my left side. I don't have a radius. It's quite squishy. It goes in. Um, and I have an incomplete left wrist, elbow, shoulder, and clavicle. So like in a tank top or whatever, you can see that the whole left side of my arm is much smaller uh, than the right. And that was what my parents first noticed. Um, and at seven months old, I had open heart surgery. And 
saved my life, like would not be here without Western medicine. Like want to preface that with my story later on, like (laughs) Western medicine definitely has its place. Um, Thankfully, I haven't had to have any other surgeries, let me rephrase, heart surgeries um, in 30 plus years. So super blessed for that because there are kids who don't have as many complications that end up needing more. Um, so it just, it really depends on the person. Um, I know at some point I may have to have more heart surgeries, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. And then when I was probably nine, my aunt saw this thing on Dateline or 2020 or something. One of those shows. Yeah. Well, one of those, (laughs) I, I don't, I don't remember, um, about this guy named Dr. Herzenberg in Baltimore, Maryland, who had gone to Russia and learned this technique for like basically straightening clubbed hands and clubbed feet and things like that. Um, And even to this day, him and then another gentleman in Florida are the only two in the U.S. that I know of that do this procedure. Wow. Um, Or at least they're those hospitals. Okay. And uh, so when I was 10, I had my first surgery and the goals of these surgeries was to straighten my wrist so it wasn't this l-shaped anymore it was so bad for this camera it was more straight yeah and then to give me more length on my forearm because it was so short so things like putting up my hair pulling up my pants um if there was a dish up high that i'm trying to reach if it falls i'm it's gonna either crash on my head or crash something because i can't catch it yeah so these surgeries weren't cosmetic. They were very functional. Yes. Um, so if you get a little squeamish, I guess skip ahead a couple minutes. <laughs> I'm going to describe these surgeries. No uh, so they went in and they surgically broke just below my wrist. They drilled pins through my forearm. They took pins and created an X in the first round through my hand and it slowly pulled my hand from this L-shaped to straight because what that broken bone did is I would take an actual wrench like you see from a garage and we would turn it a certain amount each day and it slowly stretched the bone apart separating the bone and at the same time stretching the muscles, nerves, tendons, um, everything along with it. And so that took like three and a half months just to get it straight and then we had to let it set and the bone to regrow back together. How old are you at this point? 10, almost 11. What was and, that? And you were doing that to yourself? Uh, my mom did it in the beginning, but oh. then eventually I did it to myself. Yeah. Was it super painful to do that every day? Oh yeah. Like in the mm. beginning, um, my mom, we, cause so we were from Michigan, but this was being done in Baltimore, Maryland. So we had rented like a short stay apartment and it was just my mom and I there. And it was an apartment. So, like, the living room, kitchen, dining room kind of formed, like, that horseshoe circle-shaped, you know what I'm talking about? And she was chasing me around that. To like, She's like, I have to do this. I was like, no, it hurts. I don't want you to. And I remember her basically kind of tackling me because she had to do it. Yeah. Um, and But then eventually I got to the point that, like, I could do it. And I just, I would go super slow. And, it, you know, it was what it was. Mm. 
and it takes a lot to do to yourself. I mean, yeah, it is. I can't imagine like, you know, I'm just thinking of my own son who's 10 and like, he's a friggin' baby and a half. So like, I can't imagine like as a mother having to do that to your own child and then like, you know, to, it's for their own good, obviously. So right, you, want, right. you want to do it, but then also in your shoes, like as the patient, you know, like just dealing with that at that age. I mean, it's well, huge the thing character that, development. And the thing that surprises a lot of people that I don't think they understand is I was very mature for my age. And so when we went there, they told me that it was going to hurt. They explained the process of, you know, breaking the bone and drilling the pins in. And obviously I had never had it done. So I didn't quite know, but they weren't secret about it. They were yeah. very like, this is what it's going to be. Um, and had I said, no, I don't want it. My parents wouldn't have made me do it. I chose to do this at 10 years old. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. And not to like interrupt you, but no, no, no. I'm just wondering at, by that age, like, were you in public school before that or like any experience with like, you know, okay. groups K- of children? I hate kids. K- right. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I have K- to. Right? No, okay. K through the <laughs> first month of eighth grade, I was in Catholic school. Okay. And then after that first month of eighth grade, I switched to public school. Okay. So I'm just curious. I asked because I'm wondering. Did you have to deal with bullying as well, like at that age and you were, you know, having to stand up for yourself or like how did that affect you on an emotional level? So kids in, so the Catholic schools I went to, the class sizes were really small. Uh, You know, at one point in eighth grade, it was down to four girls or five girls, me and four other girls. And that was the entire eighth grade class in the entire school. Um, And it was just super small. And they... Typically, when you have Catholic schools or private schools or things like that, there's two groups, I will say, that go there. The groups that tend to live in a poor neighborhood, but their parents either have money or they get a uh, like a scholarship to go. Or their parents have the money and they send them there because they don't like the public schools for whatever yeah. reason. And the schools I tended to end up at uh, weren't like these rich high flute and things. It was more of the poor families getting scholarships or trying to have their kids go. And I'm not too far from Detroit at the time. And like, I'm trying not to sound racist when I say this, but 75% of the bullies were black for me. Um, and, but, and I don't, so I don't know if it was like this reverse racism or mm. it was, you know, they picked on me because my sister had has cerebral palsy, even though my sister didn't even go to the school. Like, it was these really weird things that they would pick on me on. Like, Really? They bring up your sister at school and she wasn't even there? Yeah. Like, wow. they had found out because it was like a class assignment. Like, oh, tell about your family. Mm-hmm. Like, it, was, it wasn't something that mm-hmm. I thought I had to keep secret. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it was so stupid. It was so I stupid. I wonder sometimes... I totally get what you're saying, you know, trying not to sound racist, but it's an observation you made, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's your experience. It, yeah. I wonder sometimes if it's not even necessarily race, but like a socioeconomic thing. And because maybe those children felt like they got like, you know, weren't as short end of the stick in yeah. life, 
that they sort of like just pick on people that they feel are like quote unquote weaker or that that they, that they can you know I what mean, I mean they, yeah to just feel more powerful inside yeah. yeah yeah I mean there's that saying hurt people hurt people yes right so if you're hurting on the inside you're gonna project that outwards and hurt other people so I, I'll mm-hmm. buy that yeah I just wonder that and yeah. Just and when curious you got, about the bullying. When you dealt with this shit, you didn't go and uh, light stores on fire, right? Oh, no. <laughs> no you, you didn't act no. out either, right? Right. You just, just no. dealt with life and kept moving on, right? Honestly, I just buried myself <laughs> in my schoolwork. Like, yeah. I just started reading more. I became a total introvert. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to anybody. Well, mm. why I had asked before, I was like, did you have to do this to yourself or whatever? Because it's just amazing how you could take some people's stories, like a kid that's got to, like like you're saying, basically with, like, fucking, you know, you're doing that to yourself. Like, I, I can't imagine some people, like, they they have, they they throw themselves on the floor because they're being told you got to go back to work now and you can't work from home anymore. Yeah, right. But, but then, like, yet you have a 10-year-old kid who's asking for this, isn't thinking anything of it, and is just like, this is what needs to be done. To fix yeah, something, fucking and badass, that's it. Honestly, but so then like, yeah, you have other it. people who will do fucked up shit to themselves and then cry about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember fuck? sitting in class sometimes. Shows you like just the difference of someone's of someone's mm. you know, outlook on things. Yeah, and you know, there would be times, especially in the second round, because I'd have to turn these things three times a day. So I'd be in the middle of school in class, tr- like adjusting my frame, and then. When I had the second round of surgeries, uh, that's when I'd use the bone stimulator. So then, like, I'd be pulling out the bone stimulator because it wasn't as small as yours now. And, oh, like, I'm setting sure, yeah, up I'm sure thing. it was probably, like, a little computer then. <laughs> it was. Like, setting up this thing on my desk to, like, hook it on there, to let it run for 20 minutes while I'm doing classwork. And, like, but that was my normal. Yeah. Yeah, mine now yeah. It looks like a steering wheel with a CB radio attached to it. That's exactly what it looks like, actually. I wonder, too, like, honestly, because <laughs> in a weird way, like, you know, your teachers obviously were aware that you had to do this in class and, like, yeah. they're okay with it, obviously, yeah. for your health. But I wonder if in a weird way it made other kids jealous of you. Like, oh, look, Ellie gets to do her her thing and Ellie gets to do this and Ellie, you know what I mean? Like kids are weird like that. Yeah, they right, are actually. weird. I mean, I, <laughs> you're right. I feel like once I transitioned to public school, mm-hmm. it was kind of like that. But when I had the frame on, they wanted to be my friend because I got to leave class early uh-huh, or I got uh-huh. to be at a class late <laughs> and I needed blockers in the hallway. Cause you couldn't bump into me. If you bumped oh. into me, you could, it would be really bad. Um, you need your bodyguard, so they. I need a bodyguard, basically. Oh, yeah, uh, but then entourage. once that came off, yeah, mm. and but once it came off, and I was just in a cast, and I didn't need all of those things, it was like a lot of them just disappeared because I wasn't. It was like this really weird way to be cool. Uh, I see. Yeah, kids are messed up like that, and I wonder oh, yeah. too. Ellie, sorry, another question that oh, came yeah. to mind. Um, you mentioned that your sorry sister has cerebral palsy. Okay, so I'm wondering, because I had um, grown up with two cousins who are autistic, and I feel like for me personally, that made me much more aware and, like, empathetic of other people. So I'm wondering, did that, do you think that influenced, like, your character and, like, how you dealt with bullying or, like, viewed, like, other children? Like, you were more compassionate, perhaps? I felt like I tried to be more understanding. Yeah. Um. And, like, I never, 
because she's not in a wheelchair or anything i joke that she walks she talks she's a pain in my ass like unless (laughs) you talk to her for an extended period of time you don't know she doesn't look different like she has downs or anything like that um but she definitely has some developmental delays but there were kids in her classes that were you know had um the what 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 is this called where they have the hole in the throat oh it's like a trachea too but like where they'd like be suctioned out and things like that. Yeah, they were in like wheelchairs and yeah. yeah. Um, and she's not like that. So, I mean, I grew up around that plus going to the hospital for all my heart stuff. Then plus my hand, like all of those things were totally normal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think that they were weird. In fact, the people who couldn't relate and who didn't have anything medical with them, I didn't know how to relate to them. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, people are like, oh, what, you know, what was your favorite part of, in the answer to greater, how old they were? And I was like, I don't know. I measure things in surgeries. Oh like, God. yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, it, I was like, okay, so this was before this surgery, but after this surgery, like, well, how old were you? And I was like, and I actually have to think. I'm like, I don't know. I measure by surgeries. That's how I measure time. Wow. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Your normal is so uh, different than a typical child's normal you know so to to you actually their normal is odd it is it is and it was really hard for me to relate to a lot of kids because I'm like what do you mean you don't have like two doctor's appointments a week what do you mean you don't have (laughs) to take your sibling to physical therapy what do you mean you know like you can get you know not miss any days of school like what about doctor's appointments and they're looking at me like what are you talking about like I only go to the doctor if I get sick and I'm like that's Mm. a thing like, yeah. I didn't understand. I didn't know. Yeah. It was such a different way way of life, right? Interesting. Yeah. And then, like, during this time, I'm just, curi- like, so curious about your childhood at this time. Because, like, did you, I guess you didn't dwell on, like, feeling sorry for yourself or, like, anything. I'm, I'm sure you had down periods, for sure. So, like, before, I think before I had it, being a teenager, mm-hmm. I didn't really have that. Right. Um, but then, you know, the preteen teen angst that I feel like everyone gets. Yes. There were definitely times where I'm like, this sucks. Why, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want this. And as a kid, I definitely wanted to be normal. I remember, because remember I was in Catholic school. I remember sitting, well, actually kneeling in church, praying. Um, and it was, they recently changed the prayer. But it was... Um, Shit. I would have to look it up. But there was like this part of one of the prayers where, you know, basically they'll make you, they'll see how you're supposed to, you're supposed to be perfect or they'll heal you or Mm. I'll have to find it. Um, But I would say that and mind you, so before my arm surgeries, my hand was like, in the L shape and I could not straighten it at all. And I would sit there in the pew and I would massage my hand trying to force it to go straight. I remember, uh, remember Catholics are big into saints and if you pray to the saints, you're going to get a miracle and things like that. And they would have all these shrines to different saints. And, uh, I remember we'd go on a family vacation and we'd go to these shrines or my grandma wanted to go to one. So we'd go to one and we'd go, and I would pray like I would think I was supposed to pray, but then I would leave, but I wouldn't be, I would be the same. I, I wouldn't have a thumb. My hand would still be the same. And mm-hmm. so I kept thinking I was doing 
something wrong. Like I wasn't good enough because I wasn't being quote unquote healed. Mm. Like that messed with my psyche so hard. Mm, I see how, yeah, I can see how that could affect you. Definitely. I know I've been to uh, some of those shrines before myself and I mean, I, I am Catholic still, but uh, sometimes it honestly creeps me out <laughs> to right? be honest. Yeah. That, that is an, a weird experience. So I can imagine like if you're praying for yourself specifically, like it's, it would be weird as a child for sure. The one Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Oh yes. So re- is in reference to a scriptural passage. I could explain it to you another time, but yeah, I, as a kid, like, yeah. as a kid, yeah, not understanding. Yes. You know, in saying this before communion and things like that, like I would sit there and I would rub my hand like, okay, like this time it's going to work almost like an abracadabra mm-hmm. thing. Oh yeah. My um, kids say that all the time when I, when I'll say like, okay guys, like, you know, I'll say prayers with them before sleep. And then I'll yep. say, you know, say if you want to pray extra on your own, that's fine. Yep. And then my son would be like, but my prayers never work. And I'm always like, oh, it's <laughs> a very hard question. It's a very hard question. It's a hard thing to explain to a kid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you had, where were we? So that was the first set of arm surgeries. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The first set. Right. Uh, So that one was four. One to put the frame on, one to fix the frame structurally at one point because one of the rods that held the two metal halos uh, broke or got loose or something. Uh, The third one was to um, take out part of my wrist joint, just a little bone, so my hand would stay straight. And then the fourth was to take the frame off. Um, and if anyone wants, like, pictures of this, look at my Instagram. It's, like, the journey of my limb lengthening or my limb lengthening journey. It has the pictures and the background um, And if, you, if you're a visual person. So then I went when I was 12 and had this whole thing done again with the goal of lengthening my forearm. So this, you know, they broke the bone again. They drilled in the pins. uh, And this time, instead of a wrench, the rods were fancier. So you just had to turn like this little knob on a wrench and it told you how far it was stretching. Um, (laughs) But the, I remember waking up from that surgery and looking over my right shoulder at my mom and a doctor just asking me, can I feel this? And I just going, feel what? And my mom's face going ghost white. And then I'm waking up again. Let's see. I don't know if it'll show in this light. The scar's gotten better. Mm. But I have a scar that basically goes from my wrist all the way down to here. Yeah. I had compartment syndrome. Um, so that was... That was surgery number six of the series or three in the second round. And then there was a frame to take it off. But as we're separating the bone, ideally you're separating it enough that the bone still wants to grow together. I'm just separating it so it can't. Uh, And we go to Maryland one day and they go, oh, your bone stopped trying to grow back together. The gap is too big. We have to compress it and you're going to lose the length. That compressing it hurt 10 times worse than stretching it apart. What? I like, because I was getting to a point like I could lengthen it by myself and like it was uncomfortable. Like it got really tight, but it wasn't super painful. Compressing it. 
like I can't even describe to you. And compressing it hurt the entire time I compressed it. Oh, wow. Um, and then that bone stimulator, I don't know how to describe it. It was like this little black hockey puck about the size of a silver dollar that sat where the bone was broken. And it had like this little coil cord, like an old uh, phone, you know, that the spiral cords on the landline phones. Yeah, that's what I have. <laughs> yeah. And it attached to like this machine that was about the size of a laptop. And I just had to press a button. And I think there was a thing that somehow held it on there. And I had to use a little ultrasound jelly and it ran, quote unquote, for like 20 minutes. And I had to do it so many times a day. And yeah, it was, and that hurt. Like I felt like I could feel everything being stimulated to grow. Mm. And they're like, this is what you have to do. And there wasn't another option. There wasn't. It, it was, this is what you have to do or you're never going to be able to get this frame off. Like your a cast won't work. Like you have to get that bone to regrow back together or like, I don't know what they would have done. Put a plate oh, wow. in. I don't know. Like, And was that successful? That yep. protocol? Yeah. It's just, if that round of surgery, I was supposed to gain three inches in my forearm. I probably only gained about two. Mm. Wow. So crazy. Um, and then I'm just wondering too, like eventually you decided to study sciences in school, I guess, or cause you yep. ended up working in pharma. So like, did your experience like influence your Absolutely. choice of what to study in school? Yeah. So these pins that were sticking out of my arm, um, it was basically open wounds all the time. And so there were times where, uh, they would get infected and I always found it curious that I would get an antibiotic when I got a pin infection, but I wouldn't get an antibiotic if I got a cold. And that was the very basic understanding at the time, you know, fifth, sixth grade version of, you know, how things worked and why certain medicines were prescribed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I read the book, The Hot Zone by Richard Preston. And it was uh, talking about a release of one of the strains of Ebola that's not harmful to humans. Um, it was called re- Ebola Restin, and it, it was only in monkeys, uh, but it could have been really bad had it been a different strain. And that set me on the path of I want to work in a high security bio lab and wear the spacesuits that you see in the crazy movies, like Contagion and things like that. Like, that's outbreak. what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, outbreak. Yes. You're like, this shit is cool. It was. Yeah. And my parents were like, why? Like, <laughs> all the jobs in the world. Like, why? Like, who comes up with this? Like, you're a strange kid. <laughs> you are born unique from the beginning. That's how it is. And they're like, like, why do you want to do this? And there was like two colleges in Michigan uh, that had this, a, a program that I thought would work. Um, I mean, no, there's three. And then, you know, I, so I got my bachelor's in cellular and molecular biology. And when I went to go apply to grad schools, I wanted to do the PhD programs. But that was the year that Obama had cut a bunch of science funding. So if they were giving out, I'm going to make up a number here, eight PhD spots per school, they were down to like three or four. Because a PhD, you don't pay for tuition and they actually give you a stipend to live. Right. 
because you're supposed to be doing research to contribute to the university. Right. So you like get school for free, quote unquote, kind of. Um, Whereas a master's degree you have to pay for. So I'd applied to like a bunch of different colleges, got rejected, uh, like two months before school is supposed to start, like right around my birth, it's probably like July-ish, end of June. Um, I hear from one, we can't accept you in our PhD program right now, but how about you come and do your master's and then after a year, hopefully we'll have more spots open and you can just transition. Okay. That sounded like a good plan to me. So... I go, and my goal was to get my master's in infectious diseases and microbiology. And I chose this school because they had a BSL-3 lab. And I'll quickly explain to the people who don't know the differences. BSL, there's four levels. One is like you're working on a bench. Uh, it's usually like just basic chemicals. Basically wear some gloves. Uh, Level two is you should probably wear a lab coat, wear some safety glasses, and obviously gloves. Um, but unless you drink the thing, you're probably going to be fine. Um, two plus, you're working in one of those negative airflow hoods, so all the ho- all the air is being sucked in. It can't come out into like the space of the room, and that's still like unless you drink it. But if you cut your glove and then pierce your skin like maybe you should go see a doctor is uh level three is things like anthrax and things like that where maybe there's a vaccine maybe not uh but you're probably gonna need medical treatment if you get exposed and a lot of those things are uh in the air so you have to start wearing the spacesuits and things like that like yes this single has a spacesuit yes going here yep (laughs) Total nerd, total nerd, not ashamed. <laughs> That's awesome. And then level four is things that uh, if you get exposed will likely kill you, like Ebola. Right. Gotcha. So I started working, or, you know, I applied there, was accepted. Um, first day of grad school, I was wearing a shirt. I forget what it said, but it, it referenced my arm, and she asked what it was about. And so I explained and I pointed down and she looks at me and mind you, this woman is probably in her mid to late forties, if not older. And I was in a common room with 30 other people or so who could hear this conversation happening. So I explained to her the shirt, explained to her the arm. She looks at me, looks at my arm and goes, that's absolutely disgusting. What? I was like, no one says anything. No one stands up for me. No one does shit. And I was oh. like, all right. And so I just walked away. Like, I didn't know what to do. Okay. That was the first time that anyone had been that brazen and blatant in their just having the audacity to do that. Yeah. That's not cool. <laughs> wow. So I was like, I was kind of like, I was in shock, honestly, because until I got home, I was fine. Then I got home and like, I was just crying. I was like, this is the worst first day of school ever. And I was in a new state in a new city. Didn't know anybody all by myself. Um, that sucked. That was like the worst first day of school ever. No kidding. End up telling the Dean and she's horrified. And I was like, listen, I was like, I just don't want to be in a class with her. I don't want to have to do group projects with her. I don't want to have to talk to her. And they're like, done. This is a peer? Like, like a another, This was a peer, yeah. yeah this was someone student. else. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so they were getting their masters of public health instead of their masters of science. So some of the classes would overlap, but not all. So my request wasn't that uh, strange. And, but there was no issue. It was like, like, yes, you can have that. Absolutely. We're sorry. And I, like, I never tried to get an apology out of her. I never, I was just like, you're an idiot and there's no helping you. And the (laughs) fact that you wanted to go into public health, you should probably rethink your career. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's a good point, honestly. Uh, She's in the wrong, uh, wrong career path, but okay. (laughs) So like two months later, maybe month and a half. Uh, just like doctors have to do rotations in different specialties, I had to do rotations in different labs. And I was working in like a two plus one, but I had to interview for the BSL three because obviously then you need security clearance and you need the training and you, it's not as simple as working in a regular lab. And so to put on these spacesuits, you take off your street clothes, which is the clothes you wear every day, and you have to put on scrubs. Like, no street clothes at all. So, no underwear, no bra, no nothing. No, You can't even wear your own socks or shoes. Like, like, completely scrubs. There's dedicated shoes. Like, everything. No underwear. No. <laughs> it, it was weird. It was weird. Damn. Um, so, you had to, like, put on scrubs. And then there was, like, this respirator you had to put on called a papper. Um, and it wasn't that complicated. Like, I don't know. And... A lot of the times I would wear my hair in like a side braid, okay? And so I'm going in and I'm interviewing with the lab manager. And the woman whose lab I was going to work in was also present. And I learned at this point to start hiding my hand because people were judging me on what I could or couldn't do simply because I didn't have 10 fingers. Right. Uh, But she saw or I, I don't know. Somehow it came up and she's like, oh, well. Since you're dressed, I'm going to assume you can dress yourself, meaning like put on scrubs. And I was like, yes, I can. And I can braid my own hair too. And she slaps both of her knees and goes, really? I was like, oh, dear Lord. Oh, God. This is a grown woman telling another grown woman, like asking if I could dress myself and surprised that I could do my hair. I'm here, aren't I? Like, geez, you know. Wow. How the fuck did I make it through school? I, th- I think there's this stigma that I just got handed things because mm. I was disabled and that everyone just had pity on me and just let me skate through, which was the exact opposite. I had to prove every day that, like, I could do yeah. basic shit. Oh, wow. It was stupid. It was stupid. Um, mm. So I end up contacting, like, the office of equality or I, – I, I don't remember what it was called, but basically – the office within the university that prohibits discrimination and promotes like disability rights. It's almost like an HR type of thing. Yeah, kind of. Like, like a person. Kind of, yeah. 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 Um, and I go in and I'm talking to just like an entry level person and he goes, I should probably go get my manager. I was like, okay. Like, and no one's like believing what I'm saying. Like, they're thinking I'm lying. Like, that it's so fantastical that no, anyone would ever do this. Wow. And there ends up being a meeting between me, the woman who made the comment, the other woman in the room who didn't say anything, uh, like, two or three people from that disability inclusion office, ombudsman office, whatever, 
And uh, then my dean, who I didn't tell because at this point I'm like, I don't even know. Like, they're just going to think that I'm making shit up. Like, and then my dad. My dad drives from Michigan, drives like five hours to where I'm at to support me. Because I'm like, this is, I felt like I did something wrong. Mm. They were having this trial that they called it to like see what actually happened. And I'm like, so my dad gets there and they're trying to like be all professional. I'm pretty sure there was a lawyer there too. And my dad finally goes, listen, we're not going to sue you, but you're going to let her try. Like you're not even letting her try. This is Mm. bullshit. Like, do you know what this girl has gone through? Wow. And they end up letting me try. I end up working in the lab and um, was working on vaccines for potential bioweapons that are spread via the air. Uh, pretty uh, unique qualifications given the current circumstances of the world. Indeed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, f- did my first year. Everything was great. About a week after... It was May 6, 2014. I was walking across the street and trying to get to the bus to get to class. And a car turning left hits me as I'm walking across the street as a pedestrian. Broke my pelvis in five places. Broke my clavicle. Broke my shoulder blade. Got a traumatic brain injury. Um, yeah. And that was May 2014, and I was told later if I didn't return to school full-time by January of 2015, I was going to have to give up my spot in the master's program. What? <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Very peaches. It was great. It's wonderful. Oh, my God. Okay. So I'm <laughs> assuming your accident, like, you had to do a ton of, like, rehab and surgeries and so- whatnot. No, actually. Oh, really? So, uh, so rehab, yes. Surgeries, no. Okay. Not at the time. So when the car hit me, it was a Ford Escape. The bumper hit my left calf, so there's still kind of an indent from that. Um, my hip hit the grill. My head bounced off the hood, and my shoulder was kind of in the middle up there. And I had instinctively took my left arm and brought it in, so my left arm never got broken. I've like ever since a kid, I have this instinct to protect my left arm because it can very easily break. Uh, So very thankful that my left arm was not broken in the process. Um, But my pelvis, it was like the car hit, broken five, my pelvis broke. And then because I was in shape and things like that, it popped back out like a pop can. Like if you crunch it and then you release and it pops back out, it was like that. So my own muscles were holding everything in place as long as I didn't put weight on it. So I laid in bed in a hospital bed in my parents' dining room for 10 weeks. It was awful. And I was pissed at everyone. Well, I can imagine so. Like hearing people walk, I was like, I, oh, I was, I was a bitch. I was awful to my parents. Like I was absolutely awful. And I've since apologized obviously for that, but it mm. was – that was awful. Wow. Well, and why you've been through like a car accident. I'm sure it's like super traumatic. I've not fortunately never had anything that bad. Just fender benders, but I don't know. Could you like cross the street again or like drive again? Like, you it, know. It took a really long time. That's where the EMDR therapy came in because I would go to try and cross a parking lot 
and it'd have a panic attack. You know how like parking lots have those little like islands where there's like this random tree or like uh, the wood chips or whatever that you can like stand on. I don't know. I would stand on one of those and I'd be paralyzed. And I, all I want to do is go to the grocery store and I'd be standing on one of those calling my parents and they'd have to talk me down. And like it was abs- PTSD, not that fake PTSD that people claim that they get when they're randomly offended by stupid shit, like <laughs> legitimate PTSD <laughs> of uh, being hit. I didn't yeah. feel safe, um, didn't feel safe in my house. Driving, I was okay because I was I felt safe inside the car. But walking across the street, walking across a parking lot, um, yeah, it was awful. Like, and being pushed in the wheelchair before I could walk across the street, like, I would drag my right foot under the wheelchair and my ankle would be scraped because I didn't want to be going across the street and I'd be screaming the entire time. I looked like a lunatic. I looked insane. Wow. Well, that might be even worse because you're not the one in control of the wheelchair, exactly, right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. Okay, so, like, how did you overcome that? Because... <laughs> so uh, being told that I'm going to lose my spot I was like oh yeah that's not going to happen um being told I can't do things my whole life in relation to my arm my motto has basically been oh yeah watch me so I went you telling me I have to do this all right like we're gonna figure this out um I was doing rehab of various sorts basically four to five days a week uh, had to relearn how to walk. Actually moved back into the apartment to go back to grad school. Um, so I was on my own again. I moved back in the end of August of 2014 and was on my own. Uh, once again, like I had a couple friends, but at this point they had then went to their second year in the fall. Um, but I, even though I was in the area, I wasn't in class with them. I wasn't doing what they were doing. I was learning how to walk. I was learning how to uh, basically stand up straight without a cane, um, all that stuff. And I couldn't read or watch TV without getting distracted or having a headache. It was like I developed ADD. So they put me on Ritalin. And then obviously from the PTSD, they had me on a variety of SSRIs and um, other pain medications and it it was sickening the amount of medications they had me on and I'd go and I'd say I'm having this like I was having night sweats horribly I think it was from Lexapro like I was just sweating through everything like my clothes the sheets like everything just it was like someone dumped water on me it was gross and they would just be like oh well here's this to fix it <sighs> not let's put you on something else just here's another medication Wow. And I thought that was normal. I thought that's what you did. I thought this was the best that they could do. That's unbelievable. Well, probably you're sweating and stuff because your body's like detoxing medications. I guess. Like that's well, it's just a, it's no, that's just a side effect, a side effect? of Lexapro. Like you talk to a lot, I think I think I think it's Lexapro. But you talk mm-hmm. to a lot of people and they're like, Yeah, like this happens to a lot of people. Like it's a super common side effect that nobody tells you about. That's crazy. And the fact that like you thought it was like, you didn't question it at all, you know, like, like I knew it was wrong. So then I went back and complained about it. But when they're just like, Oh, here's another medication. My answer was okay. Mm. 
Yeah, like this one's going to help me more. Okay, I'll take this. That's wild. Um, so you did you end up finishing your program at school? I did. Instead of graduating in 2015, I graduated in 2016 because mm-hmm. um, they allowed me to extend it out. But as long as I, I started back in January of 2015. Um, and, yeah, I... It was hard because I couldn't do the things that I was doing. Uh, And eventually I got to a point where I could no longer be in that apartment. Um, Trying to cross that intersection every day, even in a car, was intense. So they allowed me to finish writing my thesis back in Michigan. Um, But there was like one set of experiments that I had to finish And it was going to take me like 36 hours if I didn't, if I just did it in one fell swoop. So my dumbass was like, I don't ever want to come back here until I graduate. So I drank a lot of coffee, slept in the lab, processed like all of these samples. Like, and I was like, I'm just going to get this done. And I wasn't going to get a hotel because when you run experiments, depending upon what you're doing, I didn't have a stretch of time where I was didn't have anything to do for more than two hours. So there's no sense in leaving. I just slept in the lab or slept in my car. And there was a shower there. Like, I had food. It, it was fine. It was 36 hours of hell. Um, but I did it. <laughs> so wow. I was like, I don't, I don't ever want to come back here. Yeah, you're like, just get this done. What was your, uh, what was your thesis on? It was on... B cell mediated immunity in response to Francisella tularensis and how that affects a vaccine. Um, that's a lot of science mumbo jumbo. Yeah, what is that? Basically, mean? <laughs> there's different an- uh, immune responses. So, a specific immune response to um, a specific pathogen. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called rabbit fever. I've heard of that. So, it's kind of like anthrax, um, but not. Typically, you only get it if, like, you are out west and you mow over the carcass of an infected animal and that aerosolizes into the air. Oh, hi, kitty. Sorry. <laughs> Scroll moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it aerosolizes into the air or, like, you have an open wound on your hand. Um, but what I found super interesting about this specific bacteria is – it would get into your lungs and cause like a pneumonia. Now, any other pneumonia, I have pneumonia and I cough on you, what happens? Well, which theory are we going by? Go, go, with, your, <laughs> go, go with germ theory right now. Go, go with germ you theory. You get pneumonia also. You get pneumonia also, Supposedly, right? Supposedly, yes. <laughs> with Francisella tularensis or rabbit fever, I would have pneumonia of that. And I could cough on everybody, and you're never going to get the pneumonia. It wouldn't spread. Curious. And I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. And I considered prior to my car accident staying and doing my PhD thesis on that because that didn't make any sense to me at all. Um, obviously, I, I did not stay and get my PhD. I got my master's and got the heck out. But <laughs> that was always fascinating to me. Do, does that make more sense to you now that maybe? So what? I'm in this middle of germ theory and terrain theory. 
All right. I, I don't wholly believe in one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's this middle. And are there things that we've say are germ theory that are really just toxins or detoxing and things like that? Absolutely. Environmental causes, vaccine side effects. Um, but then I also don't wholly discard the, discount the germ theory either. Yeah, I'm like that too. I, I can see, I think it's somewhere in the middle, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting though. Like, <laughs> fuck girl, you are smart. <laughs> I'm just like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Um, okay, so then you graduated and then yep. were you still on like all those uh, pharmaceuticals this whole time, like during grad school after yeah. the accident? Okay. Yep. And yep. eventually stopped them or like how did that work? So I didn't stop them until most of them until like beginning of 2019, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop the Ritalin until and mid-2018. And that, even though I was on a super low dose, uh, I started drinking like 13 cups of coffee a day and I couldn't stay awake. Like the the withdrawal from that I don't understand why anyone does drugs if you have to go through withdrawal. Like, that was awful. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, crazy. And no one warned me. Because they're like, oh, it's a low dose. You'll be fine. They lied. They lied. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine that would be very difficult. I was going to say, when you're up in the lab for 36 hours, the Ritalin might have helped. <laughs> It did. It did. Honestly, I know kids who in university used to take it like that didn't need it. That would take it just to stay up and study. Like like Adderall almost. Yeah. Yeah. To do exactly or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. So then did you end up um, after graduation, you end up working in the lab or like. After graduation, moved back to Michigan for a bit. Met my ex-husband shortly after my car accident. Moved to Connecticut with him in May of 2016 and started working for a large pharma company in January of 2017. What was your role at the company? Uh, I was developing assays to test different monoclonal antibodies. Oh. <laughs> so, and that was, and that was a big part of my thesis too, was developing an assay to test the the vaccine that I was developing in grad school. Um, So that's what I did. And then I ended up making a lateral move into their infectious disease department. And that was, I don't know, as it gets closer to the world, when the world went crazy, my timelines get all. (laughs) Honestly, time is like a blur. The last few years, I get it. Everything is like, is it pre or pro? You know, it's like everything is just pre-2020 now for me. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I want to say it was like beginning of 2019 is when I moved into their infectious disease department. Okay. And I had gotten married in May of 2018. And things, I never should have gotten married, to be honest with you. I tried to give the ring back three times before we got married. Like, that was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but I end up leaving my ex-husband with the help of my current husband. 
because my ex-husband was physically, emotionally, verbally, financially abusive. Oh, fuck. Um, Like, would hide my credit cards and shit. Uh, If we had a disagreement, would, like, take my car keys, disable my car. Like, it was insane. Um, Whoa. It, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Just do what he needs. His leg's broken. Send <laughs> <laughs> um, NY Patriot down. I, I hate that. that shit would. Me nuts. And you get a dude who just does it. It, it was not a good situation. That's like the biggest no pussy shit. I don't know. Just sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. Um, at one point, he like took his fist and like put it right next to my face and punched a wall and said, This could have been your face, but I didn't. <gasps> oh, fuck. I was like, it's when you yes. grab him by his balls and say, I can rip these right off right now, but I'm choosing not to. <laughs> right? Oh, fuck. Fucking asshole. But you said your your current husband helps you leave that situation. So you met had already known him or like. So I met him uh, and we were talking and I had wanted to go to a pool. Like it was hot in the summer. It was August of 2019. Um, and so we were just hanging out at one of the town pools, just in a public space, talking friendly you know nothing anything like that and uh, my then husband calls and was like when you packed my bag because when he goes on a trip he, he couldn't pack for himself I had to do it of course <laughs> he goes Where, where's my inhaler I was like you don't typically use your inhaler like what are you talking about I needed my inhaler and I had an asthma attack and he like went off the rails and my current husband Mike could hear this guy yelling at me through the phone and He's, like, looking at me, like, trying to see if I'm okay, and I'm, like, apologizing on the phone. He hangs up all upset, and I can tell he's trying to mind his own business, but is obviously very concerned about what he just overheard, but, like, also trying to not, like, you know, it's not quite my business. Not pride, but intrusive. Also, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah. I went to go apologize to him, to Mike, like I had done something wrong and it clicked in my head like I actually didn't do anything wrong. The other guy's just an asshole. And Mike's like, do you need a way, like do you need a safe place to stay? Like are, are you okay? Um, and my ex-husband was going to be gone for a few days. So Mike never stepped foot in the house, but he – like parked in the driveway and I would put stuff on the porch and he'd help load it into the car that way. Um, and he's like, you know, you need to make sure you get your social security cards, your credit cards that he had. He's like all your tax documents, um, like all of this stuff. He's like, get out as much as you can because you don't know if he's going to let you back in the house and you're going to want the documents at least that you need. Right. So it ended up being a whole thing. Ended up getting divorced um married mike married mike 222 2022 on a tuesday at 222 in the afternoon look at that <laughs> was that on purpose uh, yes yes yeah no, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was totally on purpose nice. um <laughs> so you're like a newlywed yeah i guess well that's nice congrats <laughs> thanks <laughs> that's cute very good all the twos i just loved what and, does two uh, mean to you does it mean something special no, I just I, I loved how it sounded. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I was like, at this point, it's gonna be hard for him for hard for him to forget. So right, <laughs> it's easy. So in the yeah, process no of that, for that one, yeah. 
What you say? <laughs> you really here? don't have much of an excuse for that one. It's kind of right, one, yeah. right. <laughs> In the process, yeah. um, you'll never yeah. have a real excuse to fuck this up. <laughs> right? I'm like, it, it, all the twos. It's all the twos. Hilarious. <laughs> Unless it was 2,222. That was the only other two I could have added in there. And I don't think I'm going to be alive at that point. So, Right. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. Very good. I'm glad you got out of that situation because that's fucked up. Yeah. I just met Mike and I had a surgery scheduled on my right arm for overuse syndrome and so he helped me with that and uh yeah it was like without him so my life would be totally different he's the one who introduced me to essential oils to crystals Mm. to reiki um had me start questioning things and like opening my mind because when i met him i thought anti-vaxxers were crazy uh, pharma and <laughs> FDA and CDC could do no wrong. Uh, doctors, yeah, they sometimes got things wrong, but they were human. Um, Sunday school teacher. Um, oh, yeah, like total 180. Total 180. That's interesting, Bill, that like he was able to kind of show you a different way of thinking without like you running away, <laughs> you know, like is that one like key person for some reason you were able to like listen to him about it. I think that plus 2020 opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. Those, those two things. The timing was like perfect. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Got you. Um, okay. So I know that in your Instagram bio, it says you like left yep. the ind- pharma industry Yep. And now I'm guessing your husband influenced that, perhaps? So uh, I was working at a different pharma company um, in, in Connecticut. And because when the world went crazy, everything kind of shut down for a while. And when you're working in a lab, there is no really remote option. Yeah. Right? Like I can't take the lab home. I can't. Like there's only so much computer work you can do. You're an essential uh, worker. But even in the beginning, I wasn't considered an essential worker. Like, they didn't want us in the lab because no one knew what was happening. And also, I just had the surgery. So I was in this weird, like, recovery from surgery. And I was back at work for, like, in person for, like, a week or two before everything shut down. Um, so I ended up just finding a place closer because the place in New York was, like, a 90-minute drive each way every day. And it was just insane. Yeah. So I found a place in Connecticut and started working there. Um, and it was a startup. And in the beginning, it was fine. But I realized they were doing a bunch of sketchy stuff. Uh, they People were doing labs in their basements or their garages. Um, the When I would bring things up of like, hey, this is really sketchy, the response would be, oh, don't worry. The owner knows the governor will be fine. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a yeah. great answer. They oh, took chemicals just labeled chemical a and chemical b or something very nondescript uh shipped them in a regular box via fedex across state lines there was a lab accident and when that company emailed and was like hey this happened their first response email back was ha 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 looks like you're having fun playing with chemicals whoa (laughs) i was the lab manager so i'm i have all of the uh manifests i have most of the emails uh i did all the purchases 
Like I know how much money they're spending on a regular basis. And for every time I made a purchase, I was supposed to submit a receipt within like 48 hours. So I'd made a purchase at like 5 p.m. on a Tuesday. The next morning at like 9 a.m., she's demanding to know finances where this receipt is. I was like, it hasn't even been 24 hours. Like, hold your horses. And proceeded to CC the CEO of the company, basically telling him I wasn't doing my job. And it was like the final straw. I ended up calling my husband and there had been a series of things, you know, them, the, the chemicals, the lying, the I know the governor, all this stuff. And I was like, I'm putting in my two weeks. I can't do this anymore, you know. And at this point, they were ma- making everyone mask. And I thought that was stupid. Um, they were trying to develop an in-home COVID test. So we were having to test every single freaking day. Um, but, and it was like a test that they were doing and they were claiming certain certifications that we didn't have, like the whole patient confidentiality thing wasn't being upheld and like people knew, but people weren't willing to do anything about it. Was talking to different lawyers and they were all basically like so much, there's so many different forms of law that were broken here that one, like one firm you need multiple firms to do this because there isn't just like it was like real estate law plus like city plus like it's like a bunch of sh- stuff. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, mm-hmm. but I had four of them basically tell me we can't do this. It's too big. Like the case would be too big. Yeah. And they didn't have all of the knowledge because it was different types of law. Uh, it would be like going to an orthopedic surgeon and expecting them to fix your heart. Right. Wow. And so I just have this binder that's like, I don't know, what do you guys call that? Three inches thick or more? <laughs> Looks of <proof>. more. <laughs> of proof that's just sitting in my house. Um, but no one would do anything with it. Wow. That's crazy. So you still have that today? <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Oh, my God. And other people have copies. Right. Well, I'm not stupid. <laughs> of course. I wonder if one day uh, that binder will come in handy. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I have it just in case. I had uh, There was a gentleman there who I think he had a problem with women. And uh, also my hand. And just basically was an asshole and harassing me all the time. HR acknowledged it but like wouldn't do anything about it. And at one point he starts like screaming at me. And I just I was like, I'm not going to have this conversation with you. I'm going to walk away. And as I'm walking down the hall... I'm like convinced this guy is going to tackle me because he's screaming at me as I'm walking down the hall. He was a psycho. Whoa. He was a psycho. And this is the HR person? This was not the HR person, but HR knew about him. Oh, There was multiple meetings like with him and HR and like the supervisors and like everyone knew. Um, But he stayed because I don't know why. Maybe they needed to meet, like, a racial quota. I don't freaking know. Oh. Yeah, I ah. went there. I went there. Yeah, a little affirmative action. <laughs> I'm disabled. Um. Doesn't that count? Like, Yeah, you're like, what about me, dude? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Okay, so you stayed there or you left? You I left. After the two I weeks. left in April of 2021. Um, 
they tried to deny me unemployment and I was like, uh, no, because I also left for sexual harassment reasons that you guys didn't take care of. And then they're like, oh, we're going to pay you unemployment then. Oh, God. Yeah. So tune change real quick. Oh, yeah. I also sent the Department of Labor after him because I got mad at him. Good for you. But they didn't, even the Department of Labor didn't do much mm-hmm. because they were making, trying to make the in-home COVID test. So they were like, slap on the wrist, don't do that. But keep doing the other stuff because we need it. Wait, Same wait. business, but yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here's a little slap on the wrist. That's wild. So did um, did the world going crazy and like losing its mind over the big C influence your awakening, perhaps? Yes. Would you like to tell yeah. us how? <laughs> I was actually going to get into that. I wanted to ask, like, what was it that got you? Because your, your perspective must be so unique on that being, you know, your time in the lab and like your education yeah so I was we'll call it fear-mongered in grad school of the next pandemic is going to happen and we're going to be prepared for it and we're going to be helping people and I I legitimately thought I was helping people developing these vaccines Um, and you know we would have talks about what was the best way to spread a bioweapon the easiest way or the cheapest way because you then had to think like them to outsmart them kind of like think like a criminal to catch a criminal type deal mm-hmm. so that's where my head was and so i understood if we go by germ theory only um how things spread and the uh models of a pandemic and how thing like how fast and like all of these things and my husband was also in the Marines and did nuke biochemical. So we understood when they said, hey, there's this thing. Our minds were like, okay, if this is going to happen, and if it's as bad as they say it is, mind you, think end of February, beginning of March 2020. This is the time frame we're talking about. We're like, okay. So we had, I knew how to order scientific supplies as a private citizen from like the vendors that, the pharmaceutical companies would order from. So I was able to get the N95s, the hospital grade soap, like all of this stuff. Because if it was as bad as they say, if they were claiming, I was like, oh shit, like this is, this is going to be bad. So we were wearing masks before they even suggested it. And in fact, when they were saying we shouldn't be wearing masks, we were wearing masks. Because we're like, if it spread via the air, we're going to wear N95s. This is how we can protect us, blah, 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 blah. Well, when they came out and started saying um, the mask was pointless or cloth mask was just as good or things like that, or you had to wear them even if you were like outside, it didn't take us long for my husband and I to go, this, this, this doesn't make any sense. Mm. If you're claiming it's super bad, like, there was this disconnect of what they were saying versus what they were doing. Yes. It, it didn't match. And then it flipped of what they were doing in the extremes versus how bad they were saying it was also didn't match. And so we're like, this is bullshit. We I, don't quite understand right yet how it's too. bullshit. I, I was like, we don't quite understand how it's all bullshit. Like, we didn't have the whole picture yet. Yeah. But it wasn't matching up. Right. I, I remember that Sorry, myself. What were you going to say, in, in the beginning, I remember that myself. Just uh, there was even just certain stuff like things that they were saying with the masks and the precautionary shit. That 
I mean, first off, when they actually declared it a pandemic, I think, uh, mm-hmm. that day or within the within two or three days, I had gotten it and my wife had gotten it and neither one of us were really fucked up. So that itself kind of made me think like maybe this isn't as bad or I was lucky. And then uh, when the stuff started going around with the masks and just seeing like all this big contradiction and shit, I was like, yo, all right, this does, just doesn't make sense at all to me. Like, <laughs> like I, that, that's yeah. why I even was like, all right. Like I was it's okay and like this whole problem with the masks and like when you think about it, it's like, you know, if I vape, and I was to blow the or it's just cigarette smoke. Put on a mask and blow right, that shit out. Right. It's gonna if it doesn't go through the front, then you're just gonna fucking jet shoot that shit be, into the person behind you standing on the fucking line in the grocery store. Well, even the surgical mask. Like it if just makes no box, sense. Read the box. Says, doesn't that protect. Is. Doesn't protect against anything. Yeah, no. those masks are. People used to argue that with me all the time. I had. I remember one girl I used to work with. She was like, well, my mom is an ER nurse and she wears the surgical mask 12 hours at a time. So I don't see why anyone can't do it or whatever. And I was like, but those masks are to protect like you not to like spit into an open body cavity like during surgery. It's not to protect you against viral particles. You know, so fun fact, (laughs) remember that spacesuit thing that I said I had to wear? It was a constant source of uh, fresh oxygen. But even at the. Even wearing those, we were not supposed to be in there for more than, it was like four or five hours at a time. We weren't supposed to have our face covered for more than four to five hours because it could affect our reasoning. And that was with fresh oxygen. Yep. With fresh oxygen flow in the suit. So can you imagine school children, eight hours a day, masked in class? I used to have trouble concentrating in school just because of the poor air quality in general or like right. the fluorescent lights or like the lack of windows. I used to like fall asleep in class, certain rooms, like every time. I can't even imagine with my face covered. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Or like operating machinery with a mask on or any any job. Really. Right. Yeah, dealing with numbers or anything. It's literally the world went insane. So it's funny, <laughs> though, how everyone picked up on different pieces of it like for me it was like media talk like when i'd hear the news i was like uh that doesn't make sense for you it was a medical piece and ny was your own experience like getting it you know that at first like kind of made you be like something isn't right here you know it just i feel like everyone had this different uh like you said piece that woke them up or whatever and for some people it happened immediately for some people it took a little bit longer um But either way, like, we all had these different pieces. And then I would recognize, you know, New York's piece. And then I recognize your piece. And then, like, everything, it just blossomed out to this. This whole thing is bullshit. And I didn't even realize how big of, how much bullshit there was until I started talking to other people. So much bullshit. Yeah. Like, you knew it was bullshit. You didn't realize how big the pile was. Yeah. It's massive. Literally everything, pretty much, in the whole world is bullshit (laughs) but yeah yeah it's wild and i commend you honestly because like your schooling and everything you must have been so not not necessarily indoctrinated but like this one mode of thinking well if if you want to say you weren't i was indoctrinated not educated (laughs) right okay 100 percent. i was indoctrinated yeah but i commend you for being able to like come out of that because the people who've defended this thing the, the most is usually those in often in the medical field, you yes. know, or in uh, other 
quote unquote educated, highly educated positions. It's like they can't face that the schooling they went through, a lot of it was a lie or based on, you know, theories or things that aren't necessarily truth. I mean, it broke my brain for a bit. Uh, (laughs) Not going to lie. $200,000 in student loan debt and realizing (laughs) most of it was a lie and bullshit. Like that's a really tough pill to swallow. Um, But I came across an account on Instagram uh, called Just the Inserts, and she was just posting um, just FDA, CDC, or pharmaceutical information. There was no opinion. It was all fact, and she has a website by the same name, JustTheInserts.com. I know the account, yes. Mm-hmm. And that woke me up, and I've actually messaged her and thanked her because there was no policy behind it. There was no politics. There was no emotion or opinion. It was kind of like, hey, did you know? And recently she did a post on Clomid and Clomid is used to help women who are having trouble conceiving conceive. And my mom took that and she did a post (laughs) and she did a post on the side effects of what can happen, fetal abnormalities. That was one of the slides. It was a freaking checklist for me. And every doctor has been like, okay, was your mom taking anything to conceive you? Yes, she took Clomid. Okay. And then it was just brushed over. And so I went, I saw geneticists, people were like, oh, you have a 50-50 chance of having a baby born like you, it could be worse, you should never conceive, Um, like all of this stuff. Nope, I'm just pretty sure it was Clomid and no one's willing to fess up to it. Wow, that must have been a huge moment for you reading that. Uh, Yeah, but I'll never tell her. I'll never tell Mm -hmm. my mom because I don't want her to feel bad. Like, but yeah. That's crazy. Is that drug still used today? Pretty sure. I know. Uh, Pretty sure. Just, you know, I've talked about my own experience in the past. Uh, selling, you know, I went to prison for selling steroids. Clomid is a big seller for that. Uh, people who use steroids will use Clomid to kick in their uh, testosterone sometimes after using testosterone for a while, or they will use it to get rid of the bitch tits that you could grow possibly from high doses of testosterone. So, like, steroid users, I know for a fact, will still run that or Nolvidex. Or, I mean, men, believe it or not, I, and I've done this myself, after doing a cycle of steroids, you take, take HCG. It'll kick your nuts right back on. And there's human growth hormone, right? No, no, it's the shit women take to get pregnant. HCG, okay, okay. yeah, women take that to try to get pregnant easier. Yep, if yep. guys take that, it fucking kicks their nuts into overdrive. What? Yep. There's people, there's people I've known who have just taken that. Just HCG where they've worked out and they've actually gotten results because it will kick up your testosterone. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So apparently so, so Clomid, Clomid, well, I mean, it's not being used for the way it's supposed to be used, but legally people are using it for, you know, if, if you're taking steroids, it will help, I think, what they call it aromatization or something like that, when the testosterone... So your body will break down some of it to estrogen. And if you have too much, you'll get, what is that, gynomastia or whatever they call it. You start mm-hmm. getting bitch tits. Clomid, if you take it fast enough, will remove that water gain and that, that issue. Oof. Yeah. I think, crazy. believe it or not, believe it or not, I think there's been studies that with Masteron, which is another steroid, that in Clomid, I think, actually has better results than fucking chemotherapy for breast cancer. 
I wonder, <laughs> side note, because this is how my brain works, how many, if that affects the sperm in any way, like it does the eggs. And I wonder how many kids ended up disabled because their dads took it. But the, that's not something that a male is going to fess up to. But a female is going to be like, yeah, I totally took that to conceive because they think they're doing the right thing. Like, yeah, how does a guy explain that? Well, right. the, the way that they're taking it is for conception, whereas the guy is taking it off right. label. He's not even maybe thinking like to make the connection. Right. Know, right. Right. Yeah, well, that's fucked up. That's really that. <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now. I did not expect that. <laughs> <laughs> And why? I knew I. I know a lot of. I know a lot about that shit. Unfortunately, because uh, I guess I was into it for a little bit, so it made me money. And I guess, like, if you look at how much I can get into my own show and podcasting, you can just imagine how much I focused on that shit. So <laughs> I kind of knew a little bit about it's that. Deep stuff. researcher. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I didn't know what the fuck I was selling, too. You know. Well, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and what it does to you exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. crazy. That's um, wild. Wow. So uh, that must have been a huge light bulb moment. But I would imagine it would, it almost like, uh, like for me, it probably would have made me feel almost like closure in a way. Like I finally have an answer as opposed to like, you know, years and years of geneticists and like all these tests and like wondering what, why this happened to you. Right. So it almost like in a way was a positive piece of information. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was intense. And I mm. was upset, but to your point, it was a form of closure. Um, yeah. It was completely unexpected, you know. That's wild. And then what was the moment that, like, made you feel like you couldn't be in the industry anymore? You know, like, what was the, what led up to you, like, turning your back on that? So when I was going through my divorce, Mike was like, I want you to go for a Reiki. And I was like, that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't believe in it. <laughs> like, this is stupid. Um, I was like, this is stupid. That's not real. And he's like, listen, there's no downside. Go hang out for an hour. Uh, I'm going to pay for it. Like, just go. If anything, you get also, to take a nap, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and she, uh, she also did tarot. And so she kind of read some cards at the end and she was, uh, a little bit of mediumship and things like that. And so she was saying things that I never posted about my divorce publicly, but Mike knew some stuff. So I went back and I was like, you told her stuff. She knew like, and he's like, I swear. He's like, read the messages. He like, like, let me read the Facebook message. And then I was like, no, you deleted them. Mind you, I just left a cheater. So I'm not necessarily believing stuff. The brains in overdrive. Yeah. But like, the things <laughs> that she was saying were so true. And I felt different afterwards. It took me months to process and wrap my head around what had happened. And in October, I had, um, honestly, I think I got the C word before the C word existed, October 2019, because I was on breathing treatments. I was on steroids. I was on antibiotics. Um, nothing was helping. It was awful. Like I would go to the hospital for one of the hospital grade breathing treatments. And 20 minutes later, I couldn't breathe again. Oh. Um, and we still don't know what it was. It was just a upper respiratory infection. Yeah, you totally had it. <laughs> I know Whatever. a lot of people, even us, like my kids, we all were sick November 2019 really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that was what it was. And know. so he's like, can I just put some essential oils in a diffuser next to the bed? And I was like, at this point, I was desperate for anything. I was like, sure, I don't think it's going to help, but whatever. When it was the first night I slept. There you go. So that's how essential oils happened. 
and I'd went to a crystal shop and about had a tantrum because something called to me and I didn't understand and finally figured that out. What do you mean? Well, don't skim over that girl. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean something called to you? What does that mean? So we had gone in. I'd never been in a crystal shop before. never been in anything like that. And honed in on this Labradorite heart that was about the size of my hand. That's pretty stone, Labradorite. I I love Labradorite. That, like, I will always find Labradorite. That's mine. And uh, was walking around with it, and we decided we were going to get it. Um, And I hadn't been holding it that long, and it was just in my hand. The store was air-conditioned, and I hand it over to the shopkeeper, and she goes, oh, you make stones hot. And I was like, and it's not this one, but it, it was like this big, okay? So it's like the size of my hand. Okay, this is carnelian, but it was big. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she hands it to Mike, and he's like, holy. Apparently, when a stone is meant to be mine, I make it very, very hot. But I don't realize it's hot. I'm like a Targaryen. Apparently. <laughs> so we're getting ready to leave. And I have this feeling, I feel like I'm a two-year-old and I'm about to have this tantrum because there's something in the store that I need and I don't understand what this feeling is. And I like get like jittery and I almost like start stomping my feet. Like when I say it was a tantrum like a two-year-old, like I was trying to hold this in as a grown-ass woman wanting to like, and I didn't understand what was happening. And the shopkeeper was so sweet. She goes, I think there's something here that you need. She goes, we're going to go through the store slowly. It was a small shop. And tell me if that feeling changes at all. And we go to this case and finally we're at this case and I'm like, it's something in here. I was like, I think there's something in here. And it ends up being this rose quartz pendulum. And once I had it, the feeling went away and I was fine. Um, but I couldn't have explained that to anyone. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, and I thought I was going crazy. For most of this, I thought I was going crazy because who makes crystals hot? What do you mean I need one or call to it like and my mike was trying to explain it to me and i was like this is crazy this is bullshit and i'm still not quite believing but there's things that are being presented to me that i'm having a hard time refuting or explaining got you your scientific brain can't explain it fully so it's almost a leap of faith in a way right it was in the beginning and uh you know, then there's the Reiki and the essential oils. And then, you know, 2020 happened. And um, just before the world went crazy, my husband and I had became, took a Reiki one, level one class. And we just continued it. And uh, I saw the value in it and um, realized that there isn't time and place for Western medicine. Like, heaven forbid I'm hit by a car again. Please take me to a trauma bay. Like, don't just throw some lavender essential oil on me and go, you're all healed. Like, right. that, that's not going to happen. Take me to a trauma bay. Get me the attention that I need. But then for the long haul, like, I'd rather use homeopathics and oils and energy healing and things like that. Um, that's not to say that I've completely sworn off Western medicine. I had a tooth pulled recently. And, yeah, I took some Motrin 800 because it freaking hurt. <laughs> Um, and everything else that I was doing naturally wasn't helping. Yeah. But instead of now going to pharma first, mm-hmm. I go natural first. I exhaust all of those options. And then if I need to, then I bring it in. So I just feel like there's a time and place for it. 
Um, but to answer your question, it wasn't like one specific thing. Yeah. It was all these like little pieces that added up and kept going that I, they say seeing is believing sometimes, right? And it was very much like that. I felt like science was more of a, I couldn't really see it, but I was told to believe in it. Whereas this, it was just stuff that I was presented that I couldn't explain. It was in front of me. It was things that were happening. I was feeling better. I was making stones hot or whatever. And I didn't have to believe because there was no believing. It was happening. I could mm. see it. I could feel it. And I don't know. Like, it, it was just a bunch of little things. It's almost like science became more the fairy tale for you. And the other things became more the reality, right? Yeah, and I mean, you, you hear, hear people say, if you have to believe in something, it's a religion. And I would agree with that. If you have to believe in science, if you have to believe, it, that's a religion. And that's not to say religion is bad. Um, but it, it's a belief system. It's not a hard science. Yeah, exactly. I like how you phrase it. it. It becomes a belief system instead of actual science, which people think that it is. People think science is infallible. And it's not. Well, especially today's science, I would say. (laughs) Science with a dollar sign is always infallible. Mm. Unless there's more (laughs) money, then we just don't talk about that old science with a dollar sign. We just talk about the science with, like, three dollar signs. Right. Can I ask your opinion on the monoclonal antibodies? Like, do you think in terms of, like, CV, (laughs) that it's... uh, valid treatment because i've seen you know dr mccullough talk about them and try to promote them and even like dr malone's like i question those two in particular so i'm wondering your opinion on monoclonal antibodies i did a brief research i'm sure nothing to the extent that you know and i was weirded out by it and i was like i think this is another so uh, not a scam but knowing how monoclonal antibodies are developed at least through one company Mm -hmm. um they use mice with the immune systems of humans and that's how they can test these and supposedly make them accurate and things like that um and they use it for eczemas and cancers and i don't think that we fully understand how the antibodies work in the body. I think we think we do, but that's then where the belief comes in or there's just these gaps that they overlook. So I used to think that monoclonal antibiotics, especially for cancer, were like the cutting edge thing. Um, But I don't quite agree with that anymore. Um, I'm sure for some people they help. You know, I've heard people when they have like eczema and stuff, it really helps, but to me, in my opinion, not, as not a medical doctor, and this is not medical advice, <laughs> yes. eczema and other autoimmune conditions, you can put Band-Aids on it. You can do monoclonal antibodies. You can do the chemotherapy. You can do all of this stuff and put Band-Aids on it, but you need to find the root cause. And the root cause is usually you had a reaction to a prescription that you didn't realize. Um, you had a reaction to a Jabberwocky that you didn't realize. Or your body's so overloaded by the chemicals that you're putting on it and in it every day that it finally collapsed. So 
or a combination of those things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of diseases that we think are diseases, I think are just our bodies overloaded with shit. My father yes. uh, recently got diagnosed with shingles and the FDA actually came out and admitted to my father that it was due to that shingles vaccine that he took. The Shingrax, yep. They actually sent my father to an FDA doctor and checked him out and said, yes, we're sorry, but it was the vaccine that gave you this. Yeah. So Wasn't Shingra- Shing- Shingrax a live vaccine? I don't remember exactly. I, I know. just know that my father got that and you know, now he's like, oh, I got to find a lawyer. But <laughs> just know that. And unfortunately, I really hate to say it, it sucks. It's like... You know, I got my father telling me now that he's, you know, like that when you go to the gym and you buy those clothes that like feel like almost like silk, he's got to fucking wear that almost constantly because a regular shirt hurts his fucking skin. Yeah. Just to fucking wear regular clothes sometimes. My mom had a horrible because he got a vaccine for the singles vaccine also. She was very sick. If it's the same one, I don't know if it's the same same jab that they took. uh, It's two doses and she didn't even go for the second one. because She's horribly ill. So, question for you, New York. We call it New York Patriot. Or New York's fine, whatever. 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 All right. <laughs> whatever. All right. Did your father take any other Jabberwockies recently? Well, he did get the... He got, you the know, C one? Yeah, he got that one. And that, But I, I can't... I think he might have gotten that before he, so, took, he took the shingles one. Because mm-hmm. my so, dad even thinks that my other one probably had something to do with it, too. That's what my father even thinks now. So there's been people coming out now where there's been an uptick in shingles and shingles-like diseases. Yes. That are, people are like, it has to be the new Jabberwocky because nothing else makes sense. Um, and it's only the ones who got the Jabberwockies, the newest one, that are getting all of these shingles outbreaks. Well, and isn't isn't there proven that there is herpes virus in the Jabber? I'm pretty sure. I heard that many places. And that's I can't why, bear. I, I don't know. Well, and then, okay, so just anecdotally, I know a friend of mine who's a makeup artist, not, not jabbed, but she was working on clients who were recently. Yep. So, and she herself got shingles. From after touching, like on their skin or being like in very close in their yep. vicinity, uh, and that happened to her twice. However, this person, I have to preface, is from Eastern Europe and came to Canada after uh, radiation. Like she's from like the Chernobyl area. Okay. So like her health has been like messed up her whole life because okay. of like radiation, like massive exposure. Yep. So she, I think, has a predisposition. And her immune system to like certain things. So she's very sensitive. But that happened to well, her twice. Depending upon her age and where in Eastern Europe, she could have gotten the smallpox one. Possible. And the smallpox, um, while it should be dormant long gone, she would have gotten it likely as a child, uh, can in, present and look, if you don't know, like shingles or monkey pox or chicken pox right or all of these other herpes like viruses uh, yes. i know i know smallpox i don't think it's herpes but um it well might, it yeah might it might be related. i think it is and even like um i've seen in adults like a few times people i know hand foot mouth yes which they should not be getting as no. adults but who are 
jab themselves. So yep. again, immune system is reacting, right? It, it, it's reacting to something. And, yeah. you know, that's why I was telling before we started recording, the fact that uh, the press secretary is now recommending anyone 12 years and older, uh, if your last C Jabberwocky was more than eight weeks ago, you need to start getting a updated one, and that's mm-hmm. what we're calling it, not a booster, an updated one every eight weeks. If you have to get something every eight weeks, that probably doesn't work. And I know, like, other, like, things for, um, just, I don't know, chemotherapy that you don't even have to take every I eight was, weeks. I was going to say, why, yeah. why is it, like, I could watch the TV and see this fucking magical pill that you take for a month that fucking eradicates hepatitis C. Well, you got to keep getting fucking jabs for fucking COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? It's Every eight weeks? Well, you just, you mean, just take some interferon and get it over with. Like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> have you, do you guys watch, like, Hulu or any of those, like, streaming services that have ads in them? No. Okay. So, my husband and I watch Hulu because it has X-Files on there. And we started noticing an uptick in things for sickle cell medications what do you guys know about sickle cell uh i know a little bit i know that it is actually your blood is in the shape of a sickle like or a crescent okay. moon and that it's a horrible like I, there's somebody who's wanted to come on my show and because of having sickle cell they must have canceled like five times because it's just fucking horrible for them do you know what ethnicity it's D- most predominantly in black oh well she's dominican Okay, but it's typically from that area because those with one of the sickle cell genes is actually protective against malaria. That's how they theorize that sickle cell came to be. Wow. Okay, so it's typically an African or Caribbean type descent. Um, it, it, It absolutely exists, not denying that in any way, shape, or form. So we started noticing all of these medication uh commercials for this new sickle cell medication and every other pharmaceutical commercial i've ever seen in my life has you know this is fda approved and you know that whole spiel right this one is basically under an eua they say it's under an eua it's still in trials but it also can thin the blood do you see where i'm going with this Mm. a friend whose daughter is in college and wants to swim, NCAA or something, every athlete now must be tested for sickle cell disease. And blatantly, she got on the phone, and she's like, my daughter's not black. Why do you need to test her for sickle cell? Like, she's very much, like, she's not of Caribbean descent or anything like that. Uh, She's not black. Like, why? Well, the NCAA requires now everyone this year it's new to be tested for sickle cell. Yeah, because for clots. For clots. Right. They want to thin the blood so we don't have a ton of young athletes dying in competition. Right. But I found that super interesting hearing that Man. from her. And then now this the, the sickle cell medication being mm. pushed and how it coincidentally also thins the blood. And everyone in that commercial was you know, darker skin. There was no white people or European people in there, at least the commercial I saw, because it's not typically in people of European descent because it's not where malaria is. Right. I mean, you're not saying anything. I'm sure no medical things have published before anyway. You're totally right. 
Well, yeah, and it's now really like, only, I, and I, it's not like you're even like being racist or picking your. No, no, really no. Is. no, I'm just saying in case somebody doesn't you know, know, it really is like. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. I'm not trying to be racist at all. Like yeah. sickle cell, they believe, was actually a genetic mutation that stayed on as a beneficial mutation to protect against malaria because yeah. it, it can't infect um, the, the sickle shaped red blood cells. Like literally, it's just a scientific explanation. And so if you have that type of ancestry, you're at risk for it. What if it That's was a it. malaria Jabberwocky that did it to you? I don't think that, no. no. I don't think, I, I don't know. But I think it was a, the, the mutation existed before the uh, jab, I would assume. No, I'm talking yeah, about, so like, let's say a while ago. Uh, to, I don't know, well, actually, I don't know how old this sickle cell is. But I was thinking, so like, maybe if you were taking a vaccine for malaria, could the side effect end up being down the road, maybe for your kids? Well, that's probably why, wh like, white people, you know, white descent, European descent, you are encouraged to take a malaria vaccine before you travel to certain countries, right? Right. Because we right. don't have the same genetic predisposition of protection. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't think the malaria vaccine could cause sickle cell, no, but no, at this I point, I will believe anything. Well, if you have the genetic um, mutation... To protect yourself, like have the sickle cells, and then you take the jab up for that, it probably would fuck you up. Like it's like a double, a double it could dose. Be, of yeah, like it, it probably fucks up your immune system. I would assume, but I'm not a medical, you know, person it, whatsoever. I don't know. I haven't looked into that one in particular, but mm -hmm. I just find this new push for. Uh, that's interesting sickle cell medications really interesting well and it gets uh people like i know dr tenpenny she's always she phrased uh jabs in general like so well that she said it's like the loss leader of the pharma industry because it's it's like you know when you see a sign in a store like spend 20 dollars get a free t-shirt the free t-shirt is the loss leader so it gets you in the door now you're a customer for blood thinning uh, medication then you're a customer for cancer drugs because your cancer came back because you took this thing, uh, you know, whatever, whatever host of side effects that are just cascading because of the Jabberwockies, like you said, you know, so it, it really just makes even more and more money for them. It's a it's a cash cow. It is the after effects, not even the actual jab itself. Yeah, they want you healthy enough to live and go to work so you still have to pay for medical insurance right yeah. um but sick enough that you have to keep coming back on a regular basis totally that's really well said oh it's so fucked up honestly um okay so we're approaching like two hour mark so not that like i want to cut you off or anything no, no. but i want to get into like how and why you started your podcast and like where you're at now with like work or like uh healing and those kind of things so yeah i started my podcast because i originally had an autobiography partially written by the same name oh wow and for me it felt too egotistical at the time to continue because i felt like other people had a story and stories that they needed to share and i just wanted to give them a platform so in my podcast, I tell my story in the first episode. It's just me. And then after that, I have a guest on every episode. Um, and it's just giving people a platform to tell their, tell their stories. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily the most traumatic thing in their life, although some episodes are, you know, do deal with traumatic events. Um, and I just, 
I wanted to talk to people. I feel like we lost the sense of community. I feel like we lost the ability to have a conversation about topics that we might not agree with someone about. There are people who I've had on there who I don't agree with 100%, but I'm not going to get mad at them. I'm not going to get angry at them. I'm not, I'm just going to ask them questions. And that's all I want to do on my podcast. And I don't think you'll ever know on the episode whether or not I agree with them in some aspects. And that's my goal. So. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like, um, like I said in the beginning, I feel like this show is a similar Very, yeah, nature. That's what I thought, yeah. You know, where, yeah, like I've had a variety, we've had a variety of people on that like NY or myself might identify with or disagree with on a lot of things, right? Yeah. Right. But I just want to give them a, a platform to tell their view and like how they've come to their conclusions and like developed as a person through their experiences, right? Yeah, and well, uh, I'll also say just for me, how long have you been podcasting for? I started May fifth. I released my first episode for five five. Yeah, well, I mean, ah. I'm, I'm almost. I think, <laughs> I think like November, December will be two years for me. But like in that okay. time, I could tell you that it's it's a good thing to uh, that's a good thing to be able to do is to not agree with your guest and not uh, make it obvious. So <laughs> that's actually a very good gift to have because I'll be honest, even on my own show, there is times people will say stuff that I, I'll be honest, some of it I think is batshit crazy. Very, very little, very little. Yeah. Some stuff I just don't agree with at all, but I could right. be wrong. I don't know. It's just exactly. a faith or a theory. So I totally. still let them present some of their stuff. I'm never going to stop. So you know, unless it's totally off the wall right right you know right, right. <laughs> right but like even with me people I, I shows that people probably think are fucking were some of my best ones you'd be surprised i may not have agreed with everything it was just an interesting talk you know but yeah. that's that's a good that's a good quality to have it's good that you're doing it now because you're gonna have to down the road if you keep going well i kind of had to swallow my ego when yeah, you know yeah. i realized what pharma was so if i can be wrong about that what else can i be wrong about Right. Yeah. I say that at the end of the day, too. Like we all have our beliefs and our perspective, but really we don't know. No. Like any of it, you know, and just remaining in that space of like ever curious, almost like a child, like, well, I don't understand. So like, let me ask this person a question. And Absolutely. Just remaining in that openness, I think, is more productive than being closed off and being like, nope, it's this and that, that, that. But exactly. I yeah. think I think that's like a really good way to even just sum up like humanity in a sense. I feel like the last few years, it has been uh, mistaking uh, faith for knowledge. Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent, or opinion. Which for knowledge. faith is not bad. Yeah. I'm not knocking that as being bad, but it's not a known fact. It's just agreed, faith, agreed. Know? And p some people yeah. are just mistaking which one. You know, they're kind of getting them confused. Yeah, um, absolutely. Feelings are not facts, people. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Too to many people can use that. Way to say it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, can you um, tell everyone where they can find you one more time? Because I think everyone should listen to your podcast because I love it. I love that you have on a variety of different people, like you said, and talking about different experiences. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Spotify, in Google, and Apple um, at the Speed Bunt speed bumps podcast uh it has, looks like a little road sign it's yellow uh and on instagram it's at speed.bumps.podcast my personal instagram is one 
thumb l spell out one so o-n-e thumb e-l you can find all my links at campsite.bio slash one thumb l and if you are interested in a distance uh, healing session or if you are in connecticut or one of the surrounding states and you want to do something in person you can contact me on instagram and we can set something up that's awesome. awesome um i wanted to thank you so much for coming on ellie like honestly i am in admiration of you i think like you're an amazing person your story is like a testimony to your character thank and you. just not letting you know these major things <laughs> like stop you from living a very full and very amazing life and you know taking all your experiences and turning them into the best that you could you know i think that's wonderful and then giving other people a platform to do the same thing so thank you so much for coming on the spiritual gangsters yes thank you both for having me on i really enjoyed it no thank you that was a lot of i mean you told a you came out and said a lot that you didn't have to you know you exposed some people we consider that exposing themselves so i appreciate that oh i you know i tell my story because i want to help people there you go like i feel like you know, I, yeah. I died once as a baby. I almost died, you know, after the car accident. Um, like, I'm still here for a reason. And I feel like my, I'm here to help people. And that's the other reason, you know, I went into energetic healing and things like that. Because pharma wasn't doing that. And all I want to do is help people. So whether that's sharing my story or healings or sharing essential oils or whatever, that's my mission. And that's why I'm here. So Yeah. That's nice. amazing. Um, yeah, I remember anyway. when I when I wanted to. I think I had originally I had spoke to you and Sh- Shane about coming on my show, and then when I went and checked mm-hmm. out your show, and I do even remember seeing I'm like I think you said your first episode was you actually introducing yourself. Yep. And I yep. kind of found that very interesting, and I was like, you know what? I was like, I think she. Then that's when I hit up Teresa, and I was like, I think we should have her on sooner than later. Before I have her and Shane on my show, because I really think her show is a lot like what you're doing, and I thought you were going to be a great guest. So if if you do like this show, I highly suggest to go check out hers, because I really do think you're kind of kind of in the same yeah. area, you know. So uh, and you've had some really good guests on that I, I know. Thank you. So Thank you. definitely go check out her stuff and uh, the show notes. Uh, if you don't mind, Ellie, after the fact, send us whatever links you want, and your notes yes, will course. be in the episode as well under the show notes. Yeah, man. And make sure you write your book. You know, don't feel like do you're that, do that. or I know. Uh, I understand what you mean. Like, I don't I'll talk about myself, but I don't like to talk about myself at the same time. But I feel like you have a lot to offer other people through your story. So, you know, and just your knowledge of your background in general. I think you're a very interesting and amazing person. Thank you. I think, honestly, what's going to come down to is I was first on the Deplorable Nation Janet show, and on that first episode, I actually said, I don't want my own podcast, but I'm happy to be a guest on other podcasts. <laughs> uh, the universe clearly had another plan, <laughs> because people kept saying, you need your own podcast, and finally, I was like, fine. Um, <laughs> and I feel like, honestly, it's probably what's going to happen with the book. I'm just not quite there yet. Yeah, when you, when you feel ready, that's amazing. I think you should. That's just my two cents. <laughs> Well, they and then and why do you want to just tell people real quick where they can find you and occult rejects oh yeah uh well my link tree link should be in the bottom but uh yes the ny patriot show i have that that is my own show uh that is on bitchute rumble and most major podcasts and then i have the occult rejects which i co-host with lux 
and that is on uh, BitChute, Rumble, and all major podcasts. And then we have Tor and More, which is like a YouTube channel. Uh, not everything that we cover does go on there because we understand there is censorship. But uh, for the most part, you know, most of our stuff goes there. But you can find all my show, Lux's show, and the Occult Rejects all on the same channel, Tor and More, on YouTube. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for co-hosting with me. Thank you once again, Ellie, and thank you to everybody thank who you. was listening. Keep it gangster, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Later.